Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. We're two moms with eight kids between us, and we're the hosts of The Mom Hour. On this show, we're joined by a team of unique mom voices from across the country and in different stages of motherhood to bring you tips, ideas, and encouragement, and to help you feel a little less alone. We all know that motherhood is a lot easier when real moms share honest truths and remind each other that it's all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 439 of the Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Megan. Excited to be doing a listener questions topic with you. Um, If you caught last week's episode, we did kind of like a a compilation of way back and some not quite so way back listener questions and our advice and responses to those. But this week we're bringing you some fresh new problems. Yes. The problems just keep on existing. (laughs) Keep on coming. It felt like it hadn't been that long since we did listener questions, but the last time we did it for real, it was back to school topics, which was a really fun one. Um, But we haven't just taken general grab bag questions in quite a while and we have some good ones. So let's dive in with the first question um, that comes from Cassidy. She said, hey, ladies, I'm curious if you know of any books or resources to help build my skills in the kitchen. I am not a great cook and overall just feel uneducated in all things kitchen, such as food planning, purchasing, preparing, storing, etc. We currently use a weekly meal service, but I would love to transition away from that sooner rather than later as we have a two year old and seven month old who are eating more and more each day. So I assume the meal service is kind of for the adults not and cutting it. Exactly. she's realizing yes. <laughs> like eventually the children will also be eating. Um, one of my favorite episodes of yours was 398, the laundry awards. I purchased the book you spoke about called laundry love. I'm hoping to find something along those lines, but for the kitchen, thanks for the love and light that you share with us each week. Cassidy. I love this question. This is so near and dear to my heart. Um, I want to quickly say that when, gosh, I guess it was when my kids were a little older than two and seven, like, you know, two years and seven months. Cause I think it was when I had more of them, but my first foray into podcasting was just to essentially force me to stay in the kitchen so I could learn some kitchen skills. That was really what it was all about. Yeah. So, um, I also want to just quickly share Sarah that I don't know what yours was. My very first cookbook 
that I was given as a wedding gift was the 1990s edition of The Joy of Cooking. And I'm just laughing to myself because, I mean, it's a very useful book. It's obviously a classic, but there are like no pictures in it. It's so thick. The text is tiny. The recipes are, yes, it's like if you want to learn how to make literally anything and you already have some skills, great. If you don't know how to make anything at all, it's very intimidating. And I've gone back through it a few times and I can see the recipes that I made over and over. Uh And they were things I already knew how to make, like banana bread and meatloaf. Like it was just and you could see like my little smudgy fingerprints um, on those pages and everything else was untouched. Yeah, I'm remembering actually the the similar cookbook I grew up with. So when I was still in my family of origin home. It was the better homes and gardens kind of like the binder one, like kind of separated by section that might've been a little bit better in terms of maybe some, some how to skills in there, but that was like a red gingham cover sort Mm -hmm. of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that was my mom's. She was given that. I think when she was like 19, I remember, I always remember looking like it had her name, like her maiden name written in it. Like I think she got it. Yeah. So that's the one I remember growing up the, when we really started, I guess, cooking for our little family. The one I remember is the um, America's Test Kitchen Family Cookbook, which if you've been listening to this podcast, I've shouted it out a bunch of times. They used to sell it at Costco. And it also has a kind of three ring binder style with divided sections. And America's Test Kitchen is good for um, some foundational skills. I think sometimes... Yeah they are so focused on how to do this the very best way. And that can appeal to me and my personality type. So I will say in some ways that cookbook really was helpful because if I read something like we tested 18 ways to make baked potatoes and here's the way that saves time and turns out fluffy baked potatoes. Like that's literally how the, how the recipes go. That can, that can be motivating to me. And I think something we'll get to for Cassidy is what's motivating to you is going to be very different depending on who you are. And so for me, that was a good thing. I will say, I think uh, the downside is it can be intimidating to think you have to do everything one way or the right way. And that can be some thinking that I can fall into. And whereas um, after being a little bit more of a like a little more confidence in the kitchen, I know sometimes you can just wing it and it's probably going to turn out okay. And, And the America's Desk Kitchen ethos does not nurture that in. in Well, and it's if you don't have any idea how to do something, it doesn't help to try to learn the best way. Like what you have to learn first is just a way anyway. And, and actually a big, um, gosh, I remember learning how to microwave a baked potato and being like, wow, I didn't know that you could put a a baked potato in the microwave and in eight minutes have a baked potato. Wow. I remember learning how to make, um, black beans on the stovetop and being like, now I can make you know, a black bean quesadilla or taco. And so sometimes you really do have to build on tiny little imperfect skills. And if you try to jump right into doing something the most amazing way, it's, it could be very overwhelming, especially if you are a more intuitive cook. Yeah. And, and I am definitely more intuitive. So Cassidy, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, Unlike me, when I got married in the nineties, you have a bazillion options right now, as far as kitchen inspiration goes, you've got Instagram, you've got YouTube, you've got Pinterest, you've got cookbooks, like you've got, you've got streaming and regular television. Like you've got so much and you've got so many ways to learn skills. Um, but I feel like it's a 
it's always a good idea to start with something that inspires you and then don't try to do all of the things. Choose like one skill or one technique or one recipe. I remember a year where I just kept making whole roasted chickens because I learned how to roast a chicken and it was so easy. And I was so blown away by how easy it was. that I just kept making it. I just kept making it over and over and over because I was like, well, now that I know how to do this, like, what can I do next? And it, but I had to get it in my body yeah. before I could move on. Um, I think sometimes for me, books that are about food are just as useful for like inspiring me and getting those juices flowing and like motivating me to stay in the kitchen mm-hmm. as books that actually teach me something specific. Um, I had a really funny experience and I actually do this kind of a lot, but this literally just happened yesterday. So I'll talk about it for our wedding. Um, somebody gave us a, a cookbook from, I can't think of her name. It's Tegan, I think. Yes. Uh, I just saw this harvest. Book. I just yes. saw the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, simp- I think it's super simple. I think is the name of the book and it's from the maker of the half baked, uh, half baked harvest like brand. And I spent two nights just flipping through it, taking photos of all the recipes that looked so amazing. And there was one that looked really, really good for, uh, like a Korean beef. And I knew Owen would love it. Mm-hmm. They, well, both of my kids love anything over rice, but Owen in particular loves like that particular combo. Um, like Asian inspired flavors, totally his thing. But I looked at all the ingredients. I was like, I've only got like half of these ingredients and I had already gone shopping. So I just Googled Korean beef <laughs> and like found a slightly simpler recipe. But then I like I did the re- the veg from her recipe, but I did the beef the way I found it online. I was like, there's no reason to have to follow one. Like I can use the cookbook to inspire me yeah. and then find a simpler version online. Um, so anyway, just, you don't have to stick with one thing. You can like use something as a jumping off point and make half of it, but not make the whole thing. You could make part of a meal and buy a a sauce already made in the store rather Mm -hmm. than make the sauce, you know, like lots of things will have multiple steps. I find that very overwhelming. I'm the kind of person who has to look at a recipe over and over and over again, because it doesn't get stuck in my head. So if it's like one of those recipes where it says to make the meat, to make the sauce. And they're like in different areas of the page. This is six recipes. I'm like, wait, exactly. I will often just like either break it up and do part of it one day and part of it the next day, or I will skip, I will like skimp out or skip out on one of the parts and find some quickie way to do that. Um, And then just one more thought. I do think all of what I just said being said, sometimes it is really helpful to have a formula to build on. I'm not really formulaic typically in the way I do things, but if you feel really in the weeds, it can be helpful. And one book comes to mind. Um, I'm not sure if she's still on food network, but there was one of the original like next food network stars named Melissa D Arabian. I think she's still on there at least in reruns. And I remember her cause I watched the, the season where she won and she had like four kids at home and she was kind of a, a like a home cook. She yeah. wasn't a chef. And that was really fun to watch her win. But anyway, I had a book of hers called $10 dinners, which makes me laugh now. Cause ain't no way right. any of these meals are being How made for $10. <laughs> I know this was probably 15 years ago or you know, something like that, but, um, but still some solid recipes, but she just had this four step process that she used over and over. And it was like, season your meat and sear it in the pan, add aromatics. So like 
onions and garlic, Mm -hmm. something that smells good, deglaze the pan and make a sauce in the pan. And then just do that every time. (laughs) And I remember being like, oh, so that always works. It works with fish. It works with chicken. It works with beef. It works. It works. Even if you don't have meat, you could do the same thing just with Mm -hmm. veggies. Um, And if you can't think of anything else to do and you just start like sauteing some onions and garlic and butter, you're on your, or olive oil or whatever, you're on your way to something. Yep. Like you've done something and you can add something to that and make it taste good. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot of me just not actually offering one specific book, but I guess my point is like it, you have an embarrassment of resources now. And it's like what you said, what motivates you to figure out a way to use the resources available to you without getting too mired down. Yeah. I almost feel like this is a question full of opportunity. I have every confidence that Cassidy is going to be um, a more competent home cook 12 months from now, two years yes. from now, 10 years from now, like no matter what she does. And so, exactly. and, and I don't mean like, oh, then why bother answering the question or being intentional about it? Of course, like that's exciting to think about, but this is something that will happen naturally. And it's fun to think about like, so, so how will you like, what, what, what little things can you put in place now? But you just are going to get there because we all started where you are Cassidy. And part of what will prompt it is like you said, your two-year-old is starting, you know, is eating real food. And pretty soon, like you're going to have kids who are actually eating part of the meal, maybe unless they're super picky. And we've also been there. So it's just life is going to require that you change and evolve in this area, most likely. And, um, and you're going to do great. Uh, I will mention a couple specific resources that I just think are in line with the mom hour. If you like the mom hour, you'll probably like these things. Um, the podcast, didn't I just feed you, um, Stacey and Megan, who are both food professionals, but really approach food content in such an accessible way. Um, and they also have a community that you can uh, like a membership community that I think it gives a lot. I am not personally in it, but I believe there's a lot of recipe sharing and tip sharing and kind of moms helping other moms um, and just a very supportive community. So if you don't already listen to Didn't I Just Feed You, I would start there and start like pick an episode that looks that feels inspiring to you. I agree with you, Megan, that just being inspired about food often is a little bit of the fire you need to get in your own kitchen. Um, the lazy genius also came out with a kitchen, a food. Um, I don't think she would call it a cookbook. It's called the lazy genius kitchen. And I think it's more of Kendra's things about time management and organization and, um, setting yourself up for success in the kitchen along with food and recipes and stuff like that. I probably shouldn't blurb her book without having totally consumed it, but I can confidently say, um, that our community loves the lazy genius and She's got a great book out. Um, And don't forget about the library for food and cookbooks. That's my favorite place to pick up cookbooks because you're not, you're, it's free and you can just flip through them. Like you said, Megan, and kind of, um, I'm picturing like what, you know, when you take a good smell and you kind of waft it toward your face, you're just wafting (laughs) inspiration toward your brain and then taking small, like bite-sized steps after that. Um, I have a, couple tips to add to what you said, Megan, I agree with everything you said. Um, I would start by making food you actually want to eat, like truly that you crave. Um, I think our, the developing skills in the kitchen, like actual skills, chopping, um, 
you know, searing, blending, like figuring out what tools you need. Um, it, you don't want to put the cart before the horse and teach yourself a bunch of skills that you might not even need yet or buy right. an immersion blender that you don't need yet. Um, but if you look for recipes that sound really good to you, um, then I think you'll have more fun with it. And your kids are little enough that they can try a little bit. You're already doing the meals, the meal service weekly. So you don't have to quit that cold Turkey. Um, I just think when we feed ourselves well, and when we make a recipe that we look forward to, um, that is, it's, it's a way to, the work feels a little more worth it. Um, that just reminded me that I also really love the New York times cooking and I do pay an annual subscription and I, I haven't looked into their tutorials, like their how to skills, but I really like the way their recipes are laid out. And I bet that if you kind of click through and watch some of the videos, I bet that they're, that they're more technical skill videos are really good too. So that's another actual source. Um, and then what I loved about Cassidy's email was that she mentioned shopping, prepping, planning, like all things food related. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I, I think I'm so glad that she realizes that that's a, an enormous part of feeding a family. And as yes. someone I don't identify as a great home cook or someone who loves to home cook, but I actually really do love a lot of those other things. I love feeding my family. Well, I love having a well-stocked fridge and pantry and an organized kitchen. Um, so I guess seeing the whole picture and remembering that those skills are important too, even when your skills, even when you up your skill level in the kitchen and you find some great recipes, I don't think most home cooks and most home managers are like pulling out the stops for every meal for every day. A lot of this, I would imagine not Yeah, right. Like, yeah. Like a real meal, like a, like a real meal that you think of when you maybe make a protein and a side and you serve the whole thing at the table. I mean, in my house, that's maybe happening twice a week. That's not to say that we're not eating together or I'm not feeding my family, but just, I would say to keep in mind that those other skills you talked about are just as important, um, and really help with things like budgeting and things like reducing food waste. So, um, I guess. And for a lot of us, they're the things that inspire us more. Like they're the things that we can sink our teeth into and the cooking is like, well, that's just kind of what I got to do to pull all these other pieces together. Right. Um, yeah. Like a chef, they're not like a, like a chef in a restaurant or a chef on TV. They've got assistants and they can absolutely trash a kitchen and someone else will clean it up. That is not the case for a home cook. Like that's just not how we operate. Yeah. 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 Um, I think sometimes, sometimes just even knowing, knowing your limits and the limits of your family is a skill set that takes time to develop. So like knowing when to plan a phone it in dinner or a leftovers night, like knowing how much to make, knowing how much your kids are going to eat. So those are all skills that you will develop with time. Again, I feel like this is just going to happen for Cassidy. Yeah, so I love I that agree. she wants it to happen. I think it's going to be great. And I will also say that now 13 or so years into my like, you know, it's not like I wasn't cooking at all before that, but it was, it was fairly haphazard. And I think it was about 13 years ago that I really decided that I feel motivated now, like kind of where Cassidy is. I feel motivated to figure this out and make it a priority, not to be perfect and not to be a chef, but just to figure it out, like figure out how to make this work for my family. Um, there are things that I'm way better at. There are things that come very naturally. There's things 
Like, I don't have what you call knife skills. <laughs> I don't either. Uh, everything in my family, everything in my home, I guess, is a rough chop. That's what I call it. A rustic chop, mm -hmm. a rough chop. Mm -hmm. um, I purposely go out of my way to choose recipes that I know are going to be forgiving of the fact that I don't dice my onions same size, like right. all the pieces the same size as my carrots or whatever. Yeah. Like, that's just... That's just how I roll because I know my I know yeah. my limits, just like you said. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. Sarah, we both know this time of year can be crazy. So this is a great time to get ahead with no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor, Factor. I love how these meals are ready to eat and delivered right to your door. I mean, you can't beat that convenience, but most importantly, they're seriously delicious. Yeah, Megan, I agree. Our whole family was impressed with the quality and flavor of Factor meals we tried. And it turned out to be a great option for my teenagers when they got home late from a theater practice or came home from school super hungry. There's zero prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. Factor meals just need to be heated for about two minutes and they're ready to go. Yeah, and for any listeners with wellness goals this month, Factor has six menu preferences to support your lifestyle. Whether you're trying to boost your protein, avoiding meat, or simply focusing on well-balanced meals. And you can pause or reschedule deliveries to fit your lifestyle. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code mom hour. Okay. Very excited about this next question because I feel like this is something I probably could have, uh, could have written years ago. That This episode is kind of so far. This episode is questions for Megan that Sarah can also <laughs> have an opinion. Sometimes it goes the other way around, but yeah. Well, you're... maybe it's like questions I would have asked at some point in my yeah, life or something. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So this comes from Natalie. Natalie says, I'm the mom of an 11 and a half month old named Alex. So Alex is almost a year. That's exciting. Alex has been co-sleeping with us since he was about four months old. Co-sleeping has worked well for us in general. He wakes up a number of times in the night. With all that lovely milk right nearby. But since he's our only kiddo and returns to sleep very quickly, I can just go to bed a little earlier and still wake up feeling well rested. I have been there. 
many times. Um, Natalie says, for the last month or two, Alex does not easily nurse to sleep at bedtime or nap time. It's taking 45 minutes to an hour and a half before he'll fall asleep. And we have daycare in the morning. 20 minutes of lying down with him is sweet, but an hour and a half of being climbed over is not how I want to spend the end of the day. Amen. Also <laughs> have been there many times, Natalie. She asks, do you have any ideas of how to get him to sleep without feeling like I'm losing my mind? I've talked with other co-sleeping mothers, but almost all of their babies and toddlers go to sleep easily and then just stay in the bed till mom's ready for sleep. Who are these women? Yeah. I want to talk to them. Um, she says we are open to pretty much any arrangement that involves all of us getting enough night's sleep. I am worried about night weaning him. She said, as I have heard, sometimes night weaning leads to total weaning. Okay. Well, if, uh, you all didn't pick up on it or didn't know, um, I did not co-sleep. So this is a question for Megan, but what I, what I can relate to is the feeling of things were going along so well with sleep, not co-sleeping for me, but with any type of sleep arrangement. And then the baby hits a new set of skills or milestones. And oh my gosh, 11 and a half months is such a tricky age mm. because yes. being mobile is very exciting. And, but they are way too young for any kind of a, like, like a, lo a logical discussion now, son. Yes, uh, exactly. we are going to go to bed. I mean, and I'm, they care I'm not. The one, yeah, no, they care <laughs> not. I'm usually the one like suggesting you have, you know, heartfelt conversations with your very young toddler. And, and I really was that kind of mom, but not at 11. I mean, 11 months is really too young to, to understand what's expected yeah. at bedtime. So I'm just here mostly to, um, get your wisdom, Megan. And, uh, yeah, hopefully get Natalie some more sleep. Well, as we've established, you know, 11 months, 12 months is hard in lots of ways. And it's because they are babies. They're just a baby, but they're also not babies. You know, it's like a lot's happening. Um, I co-slept with all five of my kids. At times I had multiple kids in my bed, not for any length of time, but it did. Sometimes there was a little overlap, like a little, um, I didn't mean for there to be overlap, but like one just kept coming back. Three in the and bed and the little one said, move over. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I didn't have the wherewithal out. to like kick one out. So. Um, I, I would say it has gone differently with every kid of mine. Um, four of my five also breastfed quite long, um, until like two ish, some a little longer, some a little less, but like around two. So night nursing is a memory that is seared into my brain and my boobs. I don't think they've ever really gotten over it, but with every single kid of mine, the experience of night weaning. Well, first of all, I believe they all night weaned as the first step on the road to weaning, except for maybe one. I think one of them like just wouldn't. It it was like over like I had it had to be completely done. I it couldn't get him to wean. And night weaning was not going to be like a logical and um, you know, like a stepping like, stone. Like a stepping stone. It just had to be done. And but really the most like part. silly question. I yeah, assume that with co-sleeping, like night weaning you by that, you mean we're still going to sleep in the same bed, but somehow the baby knows that there's no milkies from 8 uh -huh. p.m. to 8 a.m. or something. That's what yeah, you, yeah. And that's tricky. That's a real tricky wicket yeah. because they don't they don't care that you don't want to <laughs> do that anymore. Don't matter. <laughs> yes, exactly. So. um, And again, this is just my experience. I also had heard and had been told that night weaning can be the end of breastfeeding. Um, often the people telling me that were the people who were 
very, very, very invested in me continuing to breastfeed. And um, sometimes it can be hard, like not to take that advice with a grain of salt and to not get too caught up in what someone else is repeating to you third hand that they read because they're so invested in your breastfeeding relationship. And there was some of that. Um, and some of it was just like actual lactation cult consultants said, yeah, that could be what happens. In my experience, it was never the end of breastfeeding, but it was always like one of the steps on the road to the end. But the thing is, you're on that road anyway. Like you're already on the road to the end of breastfeeding, no matter where you are, whether you are holding a two week old baby yeah. that you're nursing at some point, something's they're they're getting older. And at some point, your relationship is going to change and it will be over. So in my experience, it was never something where like, okay, we night weaned and now they don't want it during the day. Um, in fact, I remember wishing that would happen yeah. with one of them and it did not. So I would just say that in the continuum of like, we're already taking steps down this road to eventually weaning. It's one of the steps mm -hmm. can be one of the steps. Um, for me, night nursing and co-sleeping with my toddlers eventually became incompatible. Like either they stopped night nursing on their own. And I feel like one of them did that. Like, they, like just have this big mass of babies in my mind. And I, it's very fuzzy as to yeah. which one did what I, but I have one very clear memory of one of my kids on his own, just stopping. And then it was great. Like co-sleeping worked great after that. Okay. Um, or I had to help them stop night nursing as in night wean them because I wanted to keep co-sleeping and I couldn't do it. Like I just physically could not stay up all night, um, getting kicked and, you know, climbed on and, and all of those things. I just, so for me, I prioritized co-sleeping in a way that worked for all of us over night nursing. And I guess that all brings me to, to my point in conclusion, I think you kind of have to decide which one you want more. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it can be both if it's not working for mom. Like, that's just so unfair. Yeah. Um, and what it might look like is mom leaving the bed at night for a while and dad being the one to get little guy down. Um, it could look like a lot of things. And I, you know, it's been a long time since I've done it and somebody else could give you better right. advice on how to actually do the night weaning. But if the arrangement's not working for you, then it, for you, mom, then it's not working. Yeah. And I think you can say to yourself, okay, I want to be available for night nursing when my toddler who is sleeping in another room wakes up. That's what I'm prioritizing. Or I want to keep sleeping next to my toddler, but I have to get to the point where they don't need to nurse as much at night, which is going to look a lot like night weaning. Uh, Unless you've got some other technique you can do where somehow you can magically reduce it because they stop smelling you or something, which I just, in my experience, is not how it's ever gone. I didn't, I never had a toddler who in their second year of life decided, except for the one that I had who night weaned himself, who decided it was less important than it had been. It yeah. was always just as important, if or not more. in some cases yeah. more important. Um, I actually found during the day, like the more independent they got during the day and the more active and busy they got during the day, the more they seemed to want to be up nursing all night. Um, do you have any memory? I know it's like a fuzzy memory, but the bedtime uh, wind down itself yeah. for Natalie, 
I remember because I did I did breastfeed. I just didn't co sleep. Um, I do remember when you'd go in a phase where nursing was the thing that brought them down into sleep. And then other times where nursing had nothing to do with getting tired. And I wonder if you have any memories of like the wind down, was it always related to a final feed of the night or was sometimes the, like, how did you get a co-sleeping toddler to go to sleep? So in my memory, um, the nighttime nursing was, could actually be like a, <laughs> like a stimulant almost. Well, that's what kind of what she's saying is like, yeah, it's like when he wakes up in the middle of the night, he nurses quickly and goes back to sleep. So that's not the problem so much as the bedtime wind down used to right. be milk, 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 droopy eyelids. Yay. Right. Like, you know, mom's going to go out and read a book or read a book in bed or whatever. Um, and now it does seem like it's like, sure, he'll have milk, but then also run around the room, crawl around the room. Yeah. And, and also climb on her and also do that thing where like they're attached, but they're somehow climbing over your body at the same time that they're attached. Um, I don't remember that getting better. Um, I do remember some strategies where again, it wasn't me putting the baby down. Yeah. Um, and Maybe there's a way to remove mom from the bedtime, like the putting the baby to bed part and still get her back in the bed. And if it, if maybe those nighttime nursing sessions will stay short and sweet, it's yeah. possible. Um, Cause you're right. Putting a baby to sleep is a different thing than keeping them right. asleep. Those are two different processes. I feel like, well, I have, maybe a couple ideas and they have nothing to do with co-sleeping. So they might not even apply, but I'll throw them out anyway. One is that, uh, like once this baby's like one and walking, you might find that there is part of the pre bedtime routine that doesn't even happen in the bedroom or necessarily Mm. with mom. Um, but that leads to a little more tiredness. Like, I don't think this 11 month old is walking yet, but soon will be. So like being outside or going like having a little physical activity outside or in the basement or playing on the stairs, reading a book. I wonder if something about the bedroom is a little um, it's a little exciting right now because it is the place where the bedtime is happening. But also there's lots of things to explore, like she was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if mixing up not just I, I know that the sleep routine involves nursing and, you know, like quieting down. But if you think of like the hour before sleep, is there something else that could be maybe a little bit more physically active, get him a little bit more tired, um, but also sort of cue that, like, you know how toddlers get very attached to like whatever the the routine cues are, a bath and then this and then this. I found sometimes switching up the order of things or adding something new sometimes met my kids where they were. So if they were in a more physically adventurous stage, Maybe we did a bath right after dinner, but then we got a little bit more wiggles out right before bed. Um, and also be like the the bedroom right now is sort of like the source of tension. So doing more reading books or singing or doing something else in another part of the house might sort of de-escalate the the battle in the bedroom. Um, and maybe with a couple of those ideas, then the nursing does actually get him a little bit sleepier. So that was just one idea to try. Um, and the other one was any time that my kids were resisting falling asleep at night and not, not again, not in a co-sleeping sense, but in any stage, 
Um, I always looked at starting it all a bit earlier because an over a, a kid who's too tired yes. can put up a bigger fight. Um, and then also you are more tired because so let's say you used to start this bedtime wind down at 730, um, but he used to fall asleep right away. Well, now that he's not falling asleep right away. You're going 730 to nine. Um, what if you went 630 to eight or 615? Yeah. Like forget shortening it because maybe right now it's taking longer, but starting earlier, if you if you can, if you have that flexibility or tag in your partner, um, I think it can be a little easier on mom's frustration level um, and maybe catch that sweet spot of sleepiness a little better for the kid. I really like that you gave those tips because it helped me in my mind parse out. There's three different things happening here. There's co-sleeping, there's night nursing, and then there's getting to sleep. Yeah. Those are three different things. And I think sometimes in a, um, at least I'm just going to project myself on, on you. Sorry about that, Natalie. Um, but for myself in the eagerness to like be completely available and to do it right. in a, you know, in big quotation yeah. marks, like to do night nursing, right. To do toe sleeping, right. I sort of mashed all those things together in my mind. Like they were the same, but they're not the same. Like just because you can night nurse and co-sleep, but not be the one to put the baby to bed or to not put the baby to bed in that bedroom or to put the baby bed in a different, at a different time of night or whatever. Those three things don't have to be necessarily all tangled up together. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that's a really good way of looking at it. And I think it's okay. Like you've already been so available. You already are being so available. I think it's okay to be a little less available at bedtime if that helps. And I do often think in these co-sleeping and night nursing situations, mom is like the, like the availability of mom, the closeness of mom becomes like sleeps kryptonite. Yeah. It just, they are not interested yeah. in sleeping when they could sort of feel a little rested. I mean, I have memories of a kid nursing with his eyes closed while climbing, like feet climbing up the wall. So it's like, he feels like he's sleeping, yeah. but actually he's like working he's out. Having he's... the best of all worlds, like my best friend, mom and a snack and restorative sleep all at the same time. It's like, exactly. Wow. And yoga. It's exactly. like, so, so I think separating those things out into like the three buckets they really belong in can help you strategize each of them separately. Yeah. Yeah. I really love thinking that way. Um, I also think it's really, really normal for sleep disruptions to happen right when new physical skills. I think I said that at the beginning, but yeah. um, it's not a coincidence that this like new mobility of crawling and walking is going to change that relationship. But I think if we can, if now I'm projecting onto Natalie, I don't think she has to worry that it's going to change everything about how they've done things so far. It might change the bedtime routine. I don't think that needs to spell the end of. A, a nursing relationship or a co-sleeping relationship, yeah. it might just need to change some, some parts of the routine. Yep. Yeah. Okay, Megan, like many of our listeners, I'm sure I've been doing some spring cleaning in my closet lately, and it always feels so good to get rid of clothes I'm not wearing, things that don't fit or that aren't my style anymore. But you know what I realized? All of my Vionic shoes are always in the keep pile. They just tick all the boxes. They're cute, comfy, high quality. They last forever. And I love growing my Vionic collection, especially with the latest styles from their Vionic Vitals collection. 
The Vionic Vitals collection offers daily wear styles designed for elegance, comfort, and versatility. We both love the Uptown Loafer, which collapses flat, so it's perfect for travel. The Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, which I know you love, Sarah. The Walk 23 Classic Sneaker, which our team member Katie gets compliments on all the time. And the Willa Slip-On Flat, one of my favorites, which comes in 12 colors for any outfit. Yeah, I need to uh, get the Willa Slip-On Flat. That's next on my list. Well, listeners, if you're ready to try the shoes we're always raving about, use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Bionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya Vitamins have loved them which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves. So they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, our final question for today comes from Joy. She says, hi, Megan and Sarah. Thank you so much for doing the mom hour. I'm a mom of a newly four-year-old and an 18-month-old, and I've listened to probably 80% of your archive, which, Joy, that is a major accomplishment because we have over 700 episodes in the archive. Okay, she says, what is your advice for solo mom travel with the kids where mom can have fun too? So what's the ideal kid ages for solo parent travel? What activities do you recommend by kids ages? And what do you advise against like amusement parks when neither kid is tall enough to ride rides alone? So what what are we trying to solve for? Uh, Thank you, Joy. Yeah, I mean, I've traveled a lot with my kids on my own, sometimes because I wanted to, other times because... I had to. Um, and just thinking back, I just answer a few of Joy's questions because I, I know you're going to have some great stuff to say about this, Sarah, but I feel like it started to be really fun to travel alone with the kids once the youngest was like six or seven. But yeah. that's so kid dependent because some are easy earlier. Some, honestly, some of my kids are still hard and they're adults. Um, <laughs> but like, also, it kind of depends on the relationship between the younger and the older and the age of the older too. So there's like so many factors that's really hard to answer. But I would just say, I do think that like a six or seven year old kid can carry their own backpack, you know, undo their own pants in the bathroom. Like there's lots of things that can happen and they can start to enjoy things more that maybe at like three or four, they, they wouldn't. Um, the one thing that popped out in my mind that was like a bane of my existence for many, many trips was restrooms. And, um, Often there will be signs on doors saying like you can't bring your opposite gender child in here if they're over five years old. Sometimes you can ignore those, but it does start to get, it can start to get a little awkward as they get older. But then if they're 
if you've got uh, two that can't go in the bathroom together or the oldest one's not old enough to shepherd the younger one, that can be, that can be a yes. whole thing. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Sarah, you probably have some was, ideas about that. Well, I was just, I, that was something that came to mind too, is not only kids in the restroom, but like you need to know that you can use the bathroom yourself yes. while traveling, whether you're in an yes. airplane or on a road trip, like you better have a plan. I remember one time now I'm, I'm taking over your, your oh, turn. I remember one time on an early morning flight, having to make a very difficult decision about having coffee, which I knew was going to make me need to pee. And then being like, well, but what am I going to do with, I think I had, a, I was wearing an infant and had a toddler with me maybe. Um, and be like, okay, I really need this coffee, but I also like, I literally don't know how I'm going to use the bathroom on the airplane and leave a toddler in their seat. Anyway, you get through it, you figure it out, but for sure bathrooms and using the bathroom for everyone is a consideration and changing kids and diapers and all that. And I wouldn't say it's enough to keep you from traveling. I, I just think it's a thing to, it's a thing to consider yep. and it's a thing to consider when, when making a decision about the kind of travel you're going to do. And uh, one of our very first episodes revolved around me losing my mind when my kids went into a restroom together. Remember yep. the story at the county I fair? sure do. Yeah. And, the very um, episode one. And then, yes. And then <laughs> didn't come out for like 45 minutes. I mean, anyway, I don't need to go back into that, but it's a thing. Um, and then I guess, you know, what activities do you recommend and advise again? I couldn't really think of one that I advise against. And maybe Sarah, you, you might have someone's like, don't ever do this again. Them. But um, I will say for multi-aged groups, I always really liked water parks. I feel like there's just always something for everyone to do. And it's not hard to kind of just, it's so set up for families with lots of little kids um, of different ages to do. And it's just not hard to navigate solo. I don't think the okay. only thing is that you wouldn't be able to do as much like you're not going to have any fun, right. <laughs> you know? well, but right. that's okay. You're there for the kids, right? So you, you're probably going to end up hanging out in the toddler area the whole time. If you have a toddler or if they're a little older, then you can go on some of the slides, but it feels like you can group kids like a wider array of ages together on those slides and everyone can still have fun versus say like an amusement park where like joy pointed out, the littlest kid's probably not gonna be able to go on a ride that the older are interested yeah. in going in. Yeah. And so I feel like water parks are a little more democratic in that way. That's yeah. not the right word. Egal egalitarian. Yeah. Um, things that require more skill, like Joy had mentioned, you know, skiing as a potential, um, as a potential trip. I feel like those are fun once the youngest is enough that you can like put them in a class or something so you can do something with the oldest. If it's, I'm trying to picture, and I took my kids skiing a few times. I'm trying to picture navigating skiing with a three-year-old and a seven-year-old on my own and enjoying that. And it sounds awful, Yeah, but it's not like I'm an amazing skier and my kids would have all been beginners. Yeah. So they had to learn somehow. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think though, anytime like that, where the youngest can kind of be corralled, occupied in some way while the olders get to do something that they're into is kind of the best case scenario. And that really just so it's so dependent on so many things. I don't know, Sarah, what do you have? Well, 
I found myself wondering, and we we have not talked to Joy, so I don't know. This is a hype, like this is a question with no answer. If Joy was more imagining solo travel with kids where she as a mom is the primary adult the entire trip. So during the travel and also during all of the accommodations and excursions and meals and everything. So like taking your kids, uh, you, you took Clara camping, uh, you know, on Mm -hmm. your own, um, versus traveling alone with your kids to get somewhere where there are other people. Yes. I did a lot more of that when my kids were very small. So, um, and almost all airplane travel, I was actually very intimidated to do any kind of a road trip by myself with small children. And, um, I'm sure I would have been fine. I would have learned to, but the, the skill I got good at was, uh, air travel with young kids. Um, but I was always going somewhere to visit family or maybe to meet up with a friend who also had kids. So I didn't really consider other than the transport, I didn't consider that solo travel. I tried for, to like, think about Joy's question. I actually tried to think about like, if I were to truly leisure travel with my kids where we, and she did say so that mom has fun too. Like, so I'm just going to hypothetically say, let's say she's talking about where really I'm by myself for the entirety of the trip. That's going to make the ages of my kids much older for when I think that would be both possible and fun. So everything you said about, yes, bathrooms, kids carrying their own stuff, not needing diapers, not needing to transport car seats, all of that stuff. If I'm by myself for this whole time, then I'm thinking my youngest is at least six or seven, but maybe even a little bit older. And then I think it can be really fun and fulfilling to travel with your kids. Um, But I probably would lean toward doing the activities that as that I am going to enjoy and then see that as my opportunity to share those things with my kids. So that call me selfish. But if I'm if it's just me, I am probably not taking my kids to any amusement park or water park. I'm probably um, trying a new restaurant with them or staying Mm -hmm. in a fun hotel with a pool um, or going to see a show. Um, As our kids have gotten older, we have gotten to travel in like either with one, um, like take one of us, take one of the kids somewhere. And I think that could be so fun and special. It's really I have this memory of Violet and I in an airport uh, a couple years ago and just the two of us sitting at like a high top table in a restaurant. And I think so she would have been like eight um, and just feeling like you see your kid in kind of a new light because they all of a sudden seem so much more grown up because they've got their own airline ticket and they're pulling their little suitcase. And so yeah. um, I think the adventure of travel in and of itself is fun for me to do with my kids. I, I, I don't think I would add difficulty level by doing excursions that I didn't think were fun if I was by myself. That's just me. Now, if I was with, if we were meeting up with other families or if I had a second set of hands, that's different. Like now let's go to the zoo. I think zoos and children's museums in other cities are both. I did a lot of that um, when my kids were small. Children's museums, especially in other random cities are almost a guaranteed hit with young kids. And Often, if you have an older one, they can maybe like explore a little bit more on their own and maybe there's a toddler area. So in addition to your water parks, I would recommend looking up local children's museums. Zoos, too, can be really fun in other places. Um, Yeah, I think that's that's what came to mind for me. Well, I like that you you positioned it that way, because I think I was 
in my mind thinking like travel has to mean something totally outside of the, you know, whatever I would ever do. But if you really look at the way you would spend time with your kids, and I'm sure all of us as moms are sometimes alone with our kids, um, doing things on our own, what, what kinds of things are you doing? You're taking them to the zoo. You're taking them to the museums. Like those are the things that I would do anyway, just because it's, it's a Tuesday, right? Like I would take my kids to those things solo without batting an eye when they were little, like for the ages that Joy's kids are now four and uh, 18 months old. I was bopping around doing all that stuff all the time. So what makes it travel is doing that in a different town. Mm -hmm. Like that's all, you know, um, taking a kid to see, yeah, like I've taken Clara to see the Nutcracker since she was four years old. Uh, that is something I didn't go solo because I went with my uh, sister-in-law, but she had her own kids. And like it's, it's, that could have been something I did just with Clara. Mm-hmm. That could have been something I did with two kids, but that's the kind of thing I would do anyway. Right. And so I like that. I like that the distinction doesn't have to be that it's so, um, doesn't have to be like any more ambitious than you would get in a typical outing, it just to make it travel is just happening someplace. that's not your hometown. I would say I would recommend it's less ambitious if you yeah. don't have a second set of hands, because if you think of like, um, and prob- I don't know if joy has traveled like a ton. Sometimes you don't travel very much in the years when your kids are really small. But if you think of all the things you have to do when you're outside your normal familiar environment, like checking navigation. You might be renting a car or driving a car that's not familiar to you. You don't know your way around. Parking is different. So I actually think the level of difficulty of travel is already up. So I would um, probably choose things that felt a little bit more doable or required less of those advanced. Maybe I'm just, I'm just like a wimp when it comes to like, (laughs) I'm just just thinking to myself, "Hmm, I, well, I probably would try to do all the things. Yeah. If I went to a new city with my kids, I, I would for sure go to a museum. I mean, I have with little kids, I've gone to strange cities and gone to museums and zoos and things like that. It is harder though. So a lot of it does depend on your, on your, uh, tolerance for that. Or like yeah. your give a crapness. Like if you, they're going to have fun regardless. Like you could go to a new town and go to Chili's in a new town and then swim in the hotel pool and they're going to think that's the most amazing vacation ever. Oh, totally. So that is, that's what uh, they'll remember. Even if you also like right. take them to a major league baseball game and spend $80 on a hot dog, they will remember the free breakfast pancakes. My still, my kids still talk about this, um, this motel continental breakfast that was free where the pancakes were on like, like a conveyor, you know, like when, um, a piece yeah. of toast goes through the thing, but this was pancakes. It was almost like 3d printing of pancakes. It was the craziest thing. And they still talk about that from a very cheap motel and a free continental breakfast. It takes so little to blow them away sometimes. And you might find also joy that you're in a stage of parenting where just being in a house, like in a hotel room, that's not your house is novel and exciting for you to a degree where you don't have to do anything else either. Like you're getting all the benefits of maybe you're looking out the window of your hotel and seeing a city that you don't live in. And maybe if this hotel has room service, which many don't anymore, but if they do, maybe you're ordering that. Um, and that might be vacation for mom and that's all you need. Yeah, totally. And so, yes, you can start really simple and when in doubt, the pool always wins. Well, thanks to everybody who sent in questions. By the way, you all listening can send us in listener questions anytime. You don't have to wait around until we are. 
we don't always know exactly when we'll do our ne- next batch of these, but in the show notes, we'll link up how to do that. You can send an email to hello at themomhour.com. We also have a link to uh, leave us a voicemail, which is really fun. Um, so feel free to send us questions anytime and maybe we will take yours on a future episode. And then Megan, we are back this Friday, you and I, with a bonus episode all about encouraging musical appreciation in our kids. I'm excited for that one. I think we're going to be talking about a lot of karaoke and singing in the shower. I love it. (laughs) We'll be back with you soon. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage. And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at The Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes. Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction, and Erica helps them build healthy habits and self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening and left the Mom Hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, just navigate to the Mom Hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole. And then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.